Hey everyone, this is George A. Wood, and you are listening to New Numa Godcast with my man Norman, where he brings it raw and real. Check him out here. He's always got the next best conversation going on, but he has it raw and real for you here. Check him out. He then said, I want to know who your God is, where your power is coming from, because it's greater than my power. And then, boom, next thing you know, he um, he told him, about Jesus or whatever, and then the witch doctor got saved. And then the whole village was like, it turned around to start serving Jesus. But the point was is that this was a part of Africa where nobody dared to go because people that would go there would end up dead. And he comes in with the gospel and then whatever, whatever. But there was a point I was trying to make is that an angel showed up to let them know that somebody was coming with a message for them. And what I'm saying is that this kind of thing is now happening with the Muslims in the Islamic countries where they're having a lot of people having dreams or even some are having visions and and encounters with Jesus where he's showing up and telling them who he is and all this, and then they're getting born again. So it's really interesting how that kind of thing is happening now. So I just feel like going back to what we were talking about earlier about the conscience, though it's just something about our conscience that we know basically what's right and what's wrong and it's a matter of whoever is living according to their conscience of right and wrong that's what they're going to be judged by if they've never heard about jesus so what do you have to say about that yeah i agree i I agree we know that the scripture says that you know for the Hebrews, they were introduced to the law of Moses. And I think Paul was breaking it down and saying, hey, had we not had the law, we would not have known that we had sinned or whatever. But it basically was bring it was a schoolmaster to let us know that we fall short. But for those who don't have the law, they have nature as their law. And nature connects to conscience because he says he revealed his attribute in nature. And, and that speaks to the same thing. So I agree with that. So let's link this back to apostasy and what what other things did you want to talk about with that um, to link it into uh, apostasy, other things you want to say about that in terms of, oh, I know one of the things I wanted to say was that it brings it full circle for me when I think about whether a person came up in the church, got famous off of ministry, comes out and says, hey, this is my lifestyle, which is antichrist or whatever, or if it's somebody that's not known and they do the same thing, I believe that it's clear that apostasy is about falling away from something that you were considered to be a part of. And my question I wanted to bring out to you is, do you believe that once a person um, is considered an apostate, when we said earlier they, they have to qualify <laughs> to be an apostate, because if you're a babe, you may not even know enough about God to even be apostate. Um, oh, there was a scripture. I, I don't have my word with me right now, but it's Hebrews 6. I think it might be. Oh, I know what you're in- talking about. They tasted of the powers of the world to come. Yeah. 
they have trodden under their foot the blood of Christ. Um, they have uh, tasted the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Tasted the I'll gift. read it. Let me go get it. But you just keep talking about I think it's in Hebrew about. 6, it might be 6 through 8, or it might go back a little bit uh, before 6 through 8. But it talks about how there's no more repentance for them because it's like you're crucifying Christ again. If you have met the qualifications, I believe you have to be at a certain level of maturity in God to be able to be an apostate. Um, but if you've met mm-hmm. the qualifications and then you uh, you deject from that, then that's it. So, and that's why I would say we would have to be careful, not us, but just the body of Christ, be careful about throwing around the word apostasy when, when it will, or be somebody being an apostate versus them just being in rebellion or even uh, being just um, deceived or backslidden and reserve that for the people who really do meet the qualifications. But if you are an apostate, that means you rejected God first. And I, that's the part I, I was trying to remember that I wanted to say because I had some illustrations in mind, even going back to Cain. We talked about how God rejected Cain's offering, but Cain first rejected God's revelation of the offering, because when he actually um, presented his his uh, offering from the earth, when the Lord had already revealed to them, obviously, of a, um, the, the blood covenant through atonement, even by putting the clothing on Adam and Eve, and then with Abel offering up, the um, blood sacrifice, Cain rejected that revelation of blood atonement. And so God rejected his offering because he first rejected God. And I just want to highlight that um, the apostate is a person who actually knows what the word says and knows what the scriptures say, knows about what the spirit, um, what the spirit requires is actually even, um, tasted of those things, interacted with the spirit. And then after all of that says, now I'm going to reject God and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to not just reject him. I'm going to oppose his work. I'm in opposition to him, Um, which I feel like that's a different thing than um, that. Because if we just put everybody in that box, then it kind of dilutes the, the seriousness of someone actually being an apostate. But you found the scripture? Yeah. It's Hebrews okay, chapter 6. Okay, what's that? It's, it's Hebrews chapter 6, and verse 1 is where it starts. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So let's just, I just want to make this, uh, I want to say this real quick. This is saying these are principles of the doctrine of Christ, which are a foundation Mm -hmm. to understand. All of these things people should know about if they're in Christ. So anyway, I'm going to keep going. (laughs) <laughs> and this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened 
and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Mm. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Mm. So people that do this, they have all those five qualifications they met, all of that. Wow. They experience all those things, but then they they turn. It's like what they basically said was, I'm going to put Jesus on the cross again. Wow. And you know what that made me think of? It made me think of how the Bible says that God told Moses to speak to the rock and he hit it again. Mm. And it says he hit Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's why he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Mm. And that will preach. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> yes, it will. So anyway, the point is, is that um, you can't do these things without knowing what you're doing. It's the same way with blaspheming the Holy Spirit. A person who blasphemes the Holy Spirit, they know that they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit when they do it. It is a, it's a specific disrespect, and it is, it is a, I mean, it's deeper than the word disrespect, but it is a disrespect. And I, w- I want to bring it out like this. When you look at how a lot of people tend to explain and describe the unity of or the Trinity, what we call the Trinity, they'll speak on it like there's the father who is like a father and, and you know, a male father in on the earth. Then there's the son who is like a child of that father. And then there's a Holy Spirit who represents like the female side of God in certain ways. And if you look at it from that perspective, if you look at the Holy Spirit from that perspective, and then you also look at that as in a marriage, a lot of times I've seen this where a father will say, you can say whatever you want about me, da 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 but if you ever do anything like that to your mother, I'm going to deal with you. It's something like that that I think of when I think of why Jesus said, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. So it's something about that protective, because the Holy Spirit is, is, is uh, depicted as very gentle, as sensitive, as, you know, like just sweet and all those kinds of things. And um, when we think about that, and then you think about the fact that the Father is saying and, and the Son is saying, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have done the ultimate disrespect, and we are not going to forgive you for that. That is the ultimate, like, you you put dirt in my face, 
you crapped on me, whatever, whatever however you want to say it, that will not be forgiven. So that is uh, what happened? To me, what that brings out, to me, what that brings out is the Holy Spirit is the one who seals us to the day of redemption. Um, and so if you're blaspheming the one that can, that seals you, <laughs> you are, you rejecting your unsealed. own, you unsealed, <laughs> you, you rejected your own, you know, ability to be redeemed. And then that also speaks mm-hmm. to one other thing. Um, I know we're wrapping it up, but there's, there's yeah. one other thing that I feel like is real important. And that is the idea of, um, being sealed, um, not just not just being saved because he says he seals us until the day of redemption. And a lot of us, we like to throw around the term, I'm saved, you know, I'm saved. And uh-huh. we use that synonymously with saying I've, I've converted to the faith or I'm a member of the body of Christ. But we have to remember that we are um, saved by grace through faith. And so it's still by faith, but really the actualization of it doesn't come until our bodies are redeemed. We're just operating in our salvation by faith, like tasting of, of the powers of the, you know, operating the powers of the ages to come. Like I'm going to allow you to operate like your bodies have been redeemed, even though they haven't by faith. I'm going to allow you to operate um, even though, when we say we're saved and we're redeemed, we say it as if it is in actuality now, and it is in the spirit realm, but it's still, we have to remember it's still by faith <laughs> because we yeah. haven't fully seen our redemption yet. But now when you say when he is sealed us to the day of redemption, I say that because um, of the concept of once saved, always saved, you uh-huh. know, and that, that's, that's the concept that's thrown out there. And I say you have to qualify that because I do believe that our salvation is secure, but I also believe you have to remain in the faith in order to remain saved. And in so other if words, you reject yeah. the faith, yeah, if you reject the faith, then you reject your salvation. And you can do that. You just have to be at a certain level of knowing what you're doing because as a, as a, as a babe, there may be times when you're tried and you're, you're confronted with people with deceiving spirits, with people with false doctrines, and you don't even have enough word in you to fight off that. And you might get confused and thrown off the path and start looking into other things. Um, that's different um, than somebody who really knows what they're doing and says, you know what, forget this. And, and I've seen different people who are preachers, pastors, teachers, who turned over into comedic teachings, um, Egyptology turned over to other religions that became Muslims or whatever. They were leaders in the church and they forsook the church and forsook the faith and began to go into a false religion. Uh-huh. Not just because they were pastors. I'm not talking position. Yeah, I'm no, talking about yeah. their knowledge base or what they really know. And then to say, you know what? I'm leaving that. And this this is for the listening audience to say that's a difference. So you have to locate yourself and see where you are. So you, there's a couple of things that came up to my mind while you were talking. One is where it says, be sanctified spirit, soul, and body, holy, spirit, soul, and body. And then it talks about in the scriptures, we go from 
faith to faith, from glory to glory. And that's something that, you know, um, we have to realize that there is there are levels that you keep going to and you keep going to, but it's also, and when I thought about being sealed, I thought about a can that's vacuum sealed, and if you don't poke a hole in it, it's going to stay that way until you open it up. So we're sealed, and think of your ceiling as like being that can of whatever that's sealed up, vacuum sealed, and it won't go bad unless you poke a hole in it and then you let the the seal out or whatever. The, the, the vacuum is no longer there, and now you got bacteria and all that kind of stuff that can come in, and now it can go bad. So we don't want that seal to be broken. And the other thing that comes to my mind is that, you know, if you were talking about, when we're talking about Jesus said, they are in my hand and they cannot be plucked out of it. Well, this is a thing. First of all, being in his hand is something you have to consciously continue to do. If you're consciously wanting to be in his hand, you're going to be in his hand and you cannot be plucked out. But you have a will and you can make a decision to no longer be in his hand. It's no different than if somebody says, I don't want to be married anymore. One thing about to all you married couples, I know that you all want to believe that your your marriage is going to last for the rest of your life. But if your other if your spouse decides they don't want to be married to you, there's nothing you can do about that. All your prayers, all of your fasting, all of your scriptures that you throw at them does not matter. If they make a decision that they don't want to be married to you, then it is what it is. I'm not going to say that there aren't possibilities that someone's mind could be changed at a later time and maybe you get back with them or whatever. But if they make a decision, they're going to go with what that decision is and there's nothing you can do to change it. If you think you can change somebody's decision by prayer, then you think you're greater than God because God didn't even change the destiny of Adam and Eve based on their decision. When they made a decision, God didn't come in between Eve and and the serpent and say, no, you better not tell her that. Eve, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. I'm not, that's not what I said. That's not what I was saying. You know, God didn't do that. God didn't come in there and stop what happened. He saw what was happening, and he did not stop it. Why? Because he had no authority in the earth to stop anything that a man did not stop first, number one. And number two, because a man and a woman have the decision-making capability to decide what they're going to do. And whatever they decide, God has to allow that thing to happen. Or in other words, God cannot stop you from your decisions. Only you can stop you from your decisions. And the thing about it is, if a person is not open up in their spirit, if they're not open in their spirit to God, if they're not open to whatever the Lord would try to say or do, then God cannot make anything happen aside from their will. 
That is very, very important for all of us to understand. God gave us a will. He did not make us robots. And he didn't make us as a robot for a reason, because who wants to have a robot that tells you all the things you want to hear and does everything you want it to do just because you programmed it to do that? But God made us to love us on our own, if to love him, rather, because we want to love him, not because he forced us to love him. So that's a very important thing to understand about this thing about, you know, salvation and, you know, not being able to be plucked out of his hands and being sealed and all that kind of, those kind of things. Even though the scriptures does, the scripture says that, but those feelings being sealed and being in his hand and all those kind of things is still based on your decision to serve him. So uh, do you have any parting words, Terrence, that you want to say? Okay, so the last few things I want to say, and we are not going to teach this. I'm just going to put this out here for your own studies. If you're listening here and maybe you like to get deep into um, different doctrines of the faith, there's something that you want to look at, and that's the distinction between, as we talk about salvation and that thing, you want to look at the distinction between something we call Calvinism and Arminianism, and where it really talks about Calvinism. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's a lot of people who are part of the faith that have embraced different doctrines. You don't even know that you inherited these thoughts or these ideas from different people who came way before we even were born and and implanted these doctrines in the churches, um, and then we embraced them. But Calvinism basically says that it talks about this whole thing about predestination, and that is that God chooses the people who he's going to save, and he predestined some to be saved, and he predestined some to not be saved. Some are destined to hell. That's in Calvinism. And there's a lot of people that really believe that doctrine, and that doctrine has even come into the um, a lot of people who we appreciate or who we have um we have listened to in in the Christian rap genre. A lot of them come from Calvinist backgrounds um, as well who have that mindset. And then there's the other camp, um, Arminian doctrine, that basically says that even though um, we were born in sin, God's grace um, enabled our will to um, freed our will to be able to respond to the gospel, and anybody who hears the gospel can be saved and can respond to the the gospel message. And so they're not totally depraved in that sense. So, and, and I'm bringing that out to say, if you believe that God has predestined certain people to be saved, and there's nothing that can happen because he predestined them to be saved, to, to make them unsaved, then you're going to be in a world of trouble because that's a false doctrine. I'll just put that out there and say that's false, that he yeah. has created certain people to be saved and other people that he created not to be saved. Even though he has a foreknowledge of who will be saved, everybody mm-hmm. has the ability to respond to the gospel. And so yeah. we are, in this point, we lean more to the Armenian um, 
and and I'm saying I'm using those terms, those adoptional terms of you in yeah. school or whatever you're familiar with that. But really, that's just the true gospel. That part of it, you can just take Armenian out and say that's just the scriptures. That's a that's apostles. <laughs> that's that's what's in there. But it's something exactly. to, to think about whenever you think about that. Um, uh, don't come from the premise of oh, I was predestined to be saved, so it don't matter what I do. You're gonna find yourself in a world of trouble. Yeah, um, exactly. Just know, <laughs> just know <laughs> that the same way you had a free will to choose him, you can have a free will to reject him and deject from him. And so that's just one of the things I wanted to put out there before we close. I like out. that. I like that, bro. Um, see, this is one of the reasons why I let this guy come on here. I'm <laughs> just playing. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, I, um, I like the fact that you bring out certain terminologies that I don't know and um, stuff like that. I never heard the Armenian word before. I know about Calvinism, but I never heard of Armenian, but that's great. So, um, but I wanted to add to that to kind of like top it off or whatever, to say that um, the word of God says clearly, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He also says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life that all should have eternal life. Why would he say it is not his will that any should perish and that all should come to eternal life if he didn't mean for all to come? If he was only ordaining for certain ones to be saved and others to die and go to hell? What kind of sense does that make? Matter of fact, how could that show that he's a loving God if he meant for some people to go to eternal torment and damnation? I'm getting a little excited right now, but I'm just, I'm just very, see that kind of stuff, that kind of stupidity to think like that, it shows a lack of actual study in the word for yourself and not listening to what somebody told you. And it also shows the, the ignorance that has been perpetrated through the body of Christ, which continues to confuse people, which is why, there's so many different types of doctrines out here that are not right, that are false, that are errors. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just wanted to, you know, give that as, you know, the top off of what he said because we have to think about these things throughout the scriptures. God does not he does not uh uh contradict himself. You're not going to yeah. find him over here saying, I love all people. And then over here he says, I hate everybody. <laughs> he ain't never going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Why, why in the world would you believe that that happened? And that's what essentially is being said when people will be like, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But then over here he's saying, but God ordained some from destruction. Oh my God! Are you serious? Are you serious? So now God just—he just contradicted himself, huh? He didn't love the whole world. He just loved the ones that he ordained for <laughs> salvation. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like think about these things, man. Do you even know what the Bible says? Now that shows me how most of the time people believe nonsense because they don't do what Second Timothy two fifteen says. 
study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. You are obviously not a student of the word if you believe these dumb lies <laughs> that contradict the Bible. <laughs> I had to give it to them real and raw, man, on here. That's how we get we get raw. It's, it is what it is. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you that the fire is warm and and let you go get burned. I'm gonna tell you if you touch it, you stupid because you're about to get burned up. I'm not gonna tell you it's gonna be a little unpleasant. That's not what I'm gonna say. It is it's gonna burn you. What you talking about? There ain't no little unpleasant. It's gonna burn you. You don't want you don't want that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just that's how I am. And the people who yeah. people who've been listening to the podcast long enough, they should know I'm telling you what the Bible says. I'm not giving you an opinion and I'm not giving you we're not giving you opinions in the sense of, you know, something that we hope that the Bible means or or whatever. We're telling you what the Bible says and sometimes there might be times where we'll say this is my understanding of it, but at the same time, whatever we're saying on here, it is going to be something that is lining up with the Word of God. If it's not in the Bible, do not teach it, do not believe it, do not trust it. That's the bottom line. That's the way you should be thinking. If it's not in the Bible, do not believe it. Do not trust it. Do not follow it. But how will you know what's in the Bible if you're not studying yourself? And don't tell me because you went to church and you was in Sunday school, because that's not the place you're going to get all the knowledge you need to have. So anyway, ending on that note, we just I just want to say to everybody, let this be, uh, let this be a catapult, or a catalyst rather, to catapult you into the the desire to study the word and to know the word better, deeper, get more understanding, get more knowledge, to grow in your knowledge and faith and and your relationship with the Lord. The bottom line of all of this is you cannot have a relationship with the Lord with him knowing you and you knowing him and still become apostate. That is impossible. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, Someone could not have been, you know, at a certain uh, place in God and then, you know, I don't know, got some kind of deception. This is so beyond me in the sense of understanding how that could happen to somebody that I can't even comprehend it, to be honest. I don't comprehend how somebody could know Jesus and have a deep relationship with him and then turn. But really, in all honesty, the Bible doesn't say they knew him. It just said they had experience with his power. Mm. They experienced the power. It didn't say that they had a relationship that was close to him. That's the one thing that you do not see in that passage of Scripture. I never thought about that until just now. Mm -hmm. That Scripture is specifically talking about power. Everything is about power. You tasted of the power. You tasted of the, the powers of the world to come, the Holy Spirit, which brings power, dunamis, all that kind of stuff. Everything is about power here. 
it has nothing that it says about relationship. Mm. Let that be a lesson to all of you listening. Doesn't matter what kind of power you've seen in your life or some pastor or whatever, where's their relationship with the Lord? That's what you need to be thinking about, the relationship. I don't know Barack Obama. I do. I know only that his name is Barack Obama, and I might know a few facts about him. I just I don't know him, though. So I'm not going to be able to sit here and say, oh, Obama is a friend of mine or whatever. He's not a friend of mine. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. We don't have a relationship. I can know all the facts about him I want to know, all the stats, when he was born, how old he is, where he's from, all that. That don't mean nothing. People know a whole lot about Jesus. They talk about him on the History Channel. They talk about him on National Geographic or wherever else they got these so-called specials about finding God, who is the Christ, who is Jesus, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? They got all this knowledge that they got about him but they do not know him, and that's what matters. Speak to this before you go. I know you're wrapping it up, but just speak to this one one thing, because it just came to me when you were saying that. You can be a fan but not be in fellowship. Mm-hmm. You're a fan of, you can be a fan of Christ but, but, not, but not be in fellowship with him. <laughs> oh, man, you're funny, man. You always be like you to set me up, don't you? You like you like how I'm going to say it. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to say it like this, man. Okay, there's people that they might like the principles that Jesus stood for. And there are people that say this. There are motivational speakers that talk like that. They'd be like, man, you know, you might not be religious, but you can't deny that Jesus was a good man. He was a good motivational speaker. I mean, look at what he did. Look at what he said or how he lived. And, you know, there's a lot of people that do that. They'll be talking all this stuff about what Jesus did, how good of a person he was, and they'll come from a perspective that's very much about, you know, how um, – nice of a person he was and his principles, they work and all this kind of stuff. But beyond Mm -hmm. that, there is no relational speaking. There is no talk about relationship. And so Mm -hmm. you got a a fan, somebody sitting on the sidelines cheering for somebody and all this kind of stuff. They think that's a cool guy. And then they'd be like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, Look at how he dunked on that dude. Oh, man. Oh, oh, you see how he crossed him up? Oh, man. Woo! You know, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, they real mesmerized by what you did, your movements, and this, that, and the third. But if it was like, you know, they might take a picture with you even. But when it comes down to really, really being affiliated with you, they might not want nothing to do with you. I heard of racist people who like, African-American athletes, but only when they're in their athletic situation. (laughs) They don't want nothing to do with them outside of that. They just like to Mm -hmm. watch them dunk a basketball and all that, but they're as racist as they can be, and they don't want nothing to do with them outside of that. And anybody else that's 
you know, around them or whatever, they would be trying to, you know, they don't want nothing to do with them either. So my point is that um, being a fan of Jesus or what he did or whatever, that definitely is different from having fellowship with him, having an intimate relationship with him, not minding being seen with him and not minding whatever. You, you want to be around him. You want to be known to be affiliated with him. You know, the thing about Peter that happened at the um, – at the fire, it was somebody Somebody said, aren't you one of the disciples? Oh, no, no. What are you talking about? I don't know him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you got to be one of him. Don't you? You talk like one of them. Man, F that. I don't know that. F you. <laughs> you know, I can just imagine Peter cussing. And, and, and dropping f bombs and all this kind of stuff, and they're like, "Oh well, maybe he's not," <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, stay the f away from me, man! I ain't being that fanatic, you know, whatever, you know. So, but then that's why later on, it's like he was feeling convicted because he was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the crow has croaked. The crow has uh, made his sounds three times." <laughs> Or whatever, I've, I've done this three times, and the crow has sounded. Wow, now he got me. You got but uh, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you know, in a situation like that, though, Peter, he learned from that lesson. He learned a big thing from that lesson, and you never saw that happen again. Mm-mm. And and that's the thing. It's like somebody who they might have done something where it was like. I don't know, they try to distance themselves from Jesus or something, but then they get that conviction. It's like, yo, I ain't never doing that again. That's right. the kind of person that would never walk away from the Lord. And that's, again, why, you know, I say I don't know how how an apostate person was with the Lord. I just doubt that they really had a relationship with him like that. I mean, I don't know how else to explain this. It's just, it's hard for me to say it the way I'm trying to say it, but I'm just saying, like, they tasted of something, you know, I'm going to say it like this. They might have had some intimacy situations with, with him, but there was never any real commitment in in that intimacy or whatever. And because of that, it was easy for them to walk away. Because when you have a real connection with somebody, it will hurt you to walk away from them. You can say the devil was the first apostate. <laughs> yeah. If you, you, serve in real, you can serve real close to them. And do all this other stuff, but and there's iniquity found in you, full of pride, full of arrogance, full of, yes. full of yourself. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, and um, and I'll say it this way. Well, I don't know that this is going to be relevant to this con- conversation, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say it. Um, but I'm going to say it like this. I'm not going to say it quite the way that I heard it years ago. But the principle, I understand the principle. Someone said that Satan was the first homosexual. Now, 
obviously Satan is not having sex with anybody. But what I'm saying is the principle of the same thing, worshiping the same thing, is what Satan was trying to get from other angels, trying to get other angels to worship him. Mm. And so that is similar and almost what you might call equivalent to uh, same-sex um, relationships in that sense of sexual intimacy. Mm. <laughs> but I'll leave that there. Won't go too, <laughs> I won't go far to that. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so it was a good discussion. Hopefully those that are listening, you really did get a lot out of this conversation. The thing that you don't want to do, because uh, there were some things that I didn't put it, that I didn't say that I should have said probably. Um, that one situation that I told you all about, about me being at this church and I got angry at God and everything. There were people that went to that church who had served and everything while they were there. And because they found out that that pastor was fake and all these other things, they ended up not serving the Lord anymore. But that makes me wonder, did they ever really have a real relationship with the Lord? Right. So there you have it. I'm not going to say that we have touched everything and that we've finished, but we're going to finish for this moment in time, and maybe we'll pick up on this subject another time in another way. But um, hopefully you all have uh, really gotten a lot out of this teaching, this discussion, and um, and we'll be able to take it and grow from it. And, again, I've said this in the past, and I, I'm going to say it again. If you have questions, if you want to understand some things on a deeper level or whatever, always know that you can email the podcast and ask these questions, and we can address them in the podcast um, most likely. Um, I would love to have questions from people that are listening that just want to know more stuff. You know, part of the podcast is about getting into deeper understanding and revelation of who Jesus is and, and things of that nature. So feel free to email new.numa.podcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. So thank you again for listening. Um, Terrence and I, you know, this is this is a thing we love to do. We love to talk about stuff like this. So hopefully you all got a lot out of it. Thank you again for listening, following us on social media and all that. God bless you. Peace. Thanks for listening to the New Numa Godcast once again. This is your host, Norm. Follow me at Norm the Professor on IG. I'm in agreement for power and breakthrough in your life. Keep tuning in every week for that real talk, new life.